0: Life Audio. Hello and welcome to the Capital Ministries podcast. At Capital Ministries, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the political arena throughout the world, and we do this through weekly, in-depth discipleship Bible studies. I'm Frank Sontag, and I look forward to sharing these Bible studies written by my friend, Ralph Drawlinger, As president and founder of Capital Ministries, Ralph is teaching the same study to three different groups in D.C. this week. He holds a House Member's Bible study, a Senate Member's Bible study, and a Zoom study with former White House Cabinet members. This week, I would like to survey one of my favorite books of the Bible, the Apostle Paul's profound letter to the church at Ephesus. I think you will agree with me that these six Bible chapters are worth mastering for the sake of personal edification and wisdom in policy making. Before we get started, let us hear a word from our sponsor. This Capital Ministries Bible study from President and Founder Ralph Drollinger is entitled, Books of the Bible, Ephesians. This week, I would like to survey one of my favorite books of the Bible, the Apostle Paul's profound letter to the church at Ephesus. I think you will agree with me that these six Bible chapters are worth mastering for the sake of personal edification and wisdom in policymaking. Herod is the revealed mind of God transmitted to you for the purpose of thinking the way he thinks on complex issues. Be intent on learning the mind of God from his book. Name. Some of the earlier Greek manuscripts from which our modern English translation of the Bible are derived do not specify the church at Ephesus as the singular recipient of this epistle. Some scholars, therefore, believe that this book was intended to be an encyclical, a manuscript that first was sent to Ephesus to be circulated and read by all the churches of Asia Minor. The Apostle Paul is clearly indicated as the author in the opening salutation— chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 3, verse 1. The epistle is written during his imprisonment in Rome, Acts 28, 16 through 31, between A.D. 60 to 62, along with Philemon, Philippians, and Colossians. This book is included among the four so-called prison epistles, easily remembered by utilizing an acrostic, P-E-P-C, with the E standing for Ephesians. The letter was sent from Rome to Ephesus via Tychicus. Cross reference Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 22. Haggai 2, verse 3a states, Who was left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? signifying that perhaps Haggai, who was over 70 years old, had seen Solomon's temple before its destruction. Background Aquila and Priscilla, a spiritually gifted couple, first brought the gospel to Ephesus, see Acts 18, verse 26. The Apostle Paul had left them there on his second missionary journey, Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 19. Later on Paul's third missionary journey, he would spend three years pastoring and building up the church, Acts 19, to the point that they had their own elders, deacons, and female deacons, First Timothy 3, and for several years. Timothy's job, according to the two books bearing his name, was very difficult as he turned the church around from the heretical teachings of Hymenaeus and Alexander, 1 Timothy 1.20. These two men had commandeered the church and led it in a heretical direction between the pastorates of Paul and himself. These prominent false teachers had nearly ruined the congregation with their pervasive bad doctrine. For instance, they forbade marriage. First Timothy four three. Some thirty years after Timothy had restored the church, it is chastised in the book of Revelation for having left its first love. The congregation remained doctrinally correct, but evidently had lost the passion of their personal relationship to Christ and the zeal they once possessed to further of his kingdom throughout the world. Revelation two one through seven. Paul warned against this tendency somewhat in Ephesians three nineteen. When he says, And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Once a seaport village, the site of Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, several miles inland from the Aegean Sea. Unfortunately, the waterway and inlet had long ago become silted in. Ephesus was the location of the Temple of Artemis, or Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Emphasis and themes This epistle is evenly divided between positional and practical truths. In the first three chapters, Paul discusses the profound truths of the believer's position in Christ. Cross-reference 1, verse 4, 11, chapter 2, verse 1, and 13. The remaining three chapters discuss what should be the practical outworking of that reality in a believer's behavior. The pivoting passage found in chapter 4, verse 1, underscores this idea, and it states, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In essence, the whole of the epistle reasons. Since the believer has been lavished with blessings by God at the point of salvation, does it not follow that the believer should act out in a commensurate manner? By means of validation, the word fullness, filled, appears six times in the letter, Glory, nine times, grace, twelve times, in Christ, eleven times, and riches appears five times. Believers owe a debt of gratitude to please the one who saves and empowers them for not only victorious, purposeful living in the present, but eternal security in the future. The three major themes discussed are as follows A. The believer's blessings in Christ. This book is one of the most important in the Bible in terms of understanding the predetermined destiny of God's called out ones. In chapter 2, verse 10, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The believer's position means he or she is the recipient of God's richness and fullness of blessing. This theme is illustrated by the following pull quotes, the riches of God's grace, 1 verse 7, the unfathomable riches of Christ, 3 verse 8, and the riches of His glory, 316. Furthermore, and accordingly, Paul encourages believers to be filled up to all the fullness of God, 319, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, chapter 4, verse 13, and to be filled with the Spirit, chapter 5, verse 18. These enduring riches of Christ to the believer are based on His grace, 1, 2, 6, 7, and chapter 2, verse 7. His peace, 1, verse 2. His will, 1, 5. His pleasure and purpose, 1, 9. His glory one twelve and fourteen, his calling and inheritance one eighteen his power and strength, chapter one verse 19. 6, verse ten, his love two four, his workmanship, chapter two verse ten, his holy spirit three sixteen his offering and sacrifice, chapter five verse two, and his armor six verse eleven and thirteen. Again, the words grace, riches, glory, fullness, filled, and in Christ are key words that depict the flavor, direction, and emphasis of the letter as they repeatedly appear numerous times throughout the letter. B, the mystery of the Church Age. The biblical word for mystery in Greek, mysterion, which means unrevealed truth, appears six times in the letter. The Church Age was a mystery in the Old Testament, cross-reference 3, verse 5, and 9. This epistle clearly spells out and reveals this mystery. Allow me to utilize a California geographical feature as a metaphor to illustrate the point. Paul reveals in Ephesians that the Old Testament saint was akin to a tourist's visiting Sequoia National Park on the west side of the Sierra Nevada. If the visitor were to look to the east, he or she may catch a glimpse of the faraway Grand Summit of Mount Whitney. What the tourist can in no way see from his or her vantage point is the vast Kern River Valley that lies between. Similarly, the Old Testament saint looked from his perch of Old Testament truths for his coming Messiah, not realizing the church age lay between the consummation of God's kingdom on earth. This illustration depicts what Paul is referring to Relative to the context of his duty as a preacher in Ephesians 3 9, it says, And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Prior to the Old Testament believers experiencing the Messianic kingdom, in Ephesians, Paul explicitly states that before then exists the church age in which the Gentiles will be grafted in, cross reference 3 6 to share in His eventual earthly and then heavenly kingdom. C. The Importance of the Church In Christ's resurrected and ascended absence, God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower the Church to be Christ's present spiritual body on the earth. The Church consists of God's called-out individuals who are truly saved, as evidenced by their trusting in Christ for salvation. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. The church, properly understood, is not an organization but a living organism composed of men and women who know Christ as Savior and Lord and are mutually interdependent through the use and practice of each member's unique but limited spiritual gifts, which are bestowed on them by the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. Additionally, Ephesians 4:11 through 12 states that God gave pastor-teachers to His body in His absence to coach and mature His team to maturity. Challenging Passages This book is a benchmark on one of the aspects of the doctrine of salvation, predestination. There is no way around it. At the same time, it does not support hyper-Calvinism. In that, chapter 1, verse 13 states, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The most challenging passage, therefore, is chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, specifically, to what does the phrase, and that not of yourselves, relate? I believe it relates to both grace and faith. Each is a gift from God that somehow comes to bear on human will, without violating its existence, evident in one thirteen previously, and Genesis 3.6 and 17. One chooses, via the grace and faith given to them by God, to trust in Christ. Predestination and human will, both elements here apparent in salvation, as seen in this epistle, are antinomies. Merriam-Webster, opposition of one law or rule to another law or rule, contradiction within a law to the finite human mind cross-reference deuteronomy 29:29 1st corinthians 13:12 but not to the infinite omniscient understanding of the one who here penned them ephesians is remarkable and profound chock-full of life-transforming truths that can revolutionize a person's life it is a book worthy of diligent study Application to governing authorities. A. To the person. As a believer, this epistle states that you are a member of the body of Christ and should identify with other believers, not only in your home district, but wherein he has called you to be a missionary, on the hill. For believers to come to D.C. week in and week out and shun involvement with other believers is incongruous and dangerous. Such behavior runs counter to the thesis of this book, cross-reference chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Furthermore, God designed His body to be led by the ones He gave, 4 verse 11, between His first and second advent, to equip you relative to your ultimate spiritual calling. These spiritual coaches, pastor-teachers, are assigned the responsibility by God of helping other called-out ones to mature in Christ. It makes no sense for believers to duck out from Bible studies and Bible teachers when on the hill. Not only is D.C. where you have been sent to minister, it is where you live over half the year. Make good use of the Bible teachers and studies he has provided while away from home. Someone has said, several logs burn brightly together, place one by itself on a cold hearth, and it soon goes out. B. To the position. In the How You Ought to Walk section of the book, chapters 4 through 6, 517 introduces a subsection on how you ought to walk in wisdom. Wisdom, the skill at living life for God's glory. This is the context in which Paul lists three separate authority submission relationships the husband to the wife, 522 through 33, the parents to the children. 6, 1 through 4, and the employer to the employee, 6, 5 through 9. In 1 Peter 2.13, the Apostle Peter terms these relationships as institutions. In Greek, anthropinos katesis, literally, for man created. Peter lists the institutions of civil government, commerce, and marriage, chapter 2, verse 13 through chapter 3, verse 7. Scripture speaks of five separate institutions in all, the additional one being the church, cross reference 1 Peter 3.15, as God's ordained authority submission structures that currently need exist prior to His coming earthly perfect rule. These structures are necessary in a fallen world. Accordingly, the governing authority need defend and fight for an unencumbered existence in his or her policy positions, It is fair to say that Ephesians implies that any country void of these functional institutions will only accelerate in terms of its internal degradation. Therefore, representing these institutions on the hill as specifically defined by Scripture is critically important. May God bless your life as you work to master Ephesians in the days and years ahead. Friends, I encourage you to find more studies like this one on the Capitol Ministries website, which is capmin.org. There you can also learn about in-depth weekly discipleship Bible studies taking place in capitals throughout our nation and around the world. You may be called to lead such studies with public servants in your community. Thanks to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. Here at lifeaudio.com, you will also find more faith-centered podcasts. This concludes our Bible study for this week. May God bless you deeply. Thank you for all you do in our great country and on the hill. This is Frank Sontag.